The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. You know, it's funny. Ever since um, that video where I did where I was talking about the satanic panic, and it's like, and I I know that the algorithms on social media and everything do this anyway. Like anytime you talk about or interact or engage with any topic, it throws those algorithms throw everything about that topic at you, right? Right. But oh yeah, I saw three other links for satanic panic. But yeah, which I mean, that's topical, (laughs) so that's fair because the whole Stranger Things, you know, bringing it into the zeitgeist there for a minute means that there was stuff to talk about. It's like, yeah, and the same reason I went on and did a video about it. There's a lot of younger people watching this show who have no clue that this was a fucking thing at the time or or don't know anything about why it was a thing. I love Kate Bush, but she had more than one (laughs) song. She really did, and I loved them all. And now it's running up that goddamn hill. But she just, she is, she (laughs) is is flabbergasted. She is floored. You know, it's like, how do you feel about having one of your songs I, chart 30 years later? I do uh, hope that some of those people who get, who really grok that song, mm. I hope that they will then follow and find some of her other music because she wrote some really deep emotional. She, she's a really brilliant songwriter. Absolutely. Oh, she, and I loved a lot of her. She did amazing collaborations. She was, did stuff with a lot of other artists. I, yes. She did a couple songs with Peter Gabriel that were just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, she did. Loved it. Uh, I liked her and Laurie Anderson. And, and, and we had the whole um, uh, Master of Puppets thing happen, too. There you so, you know, you right. got this. This was And, and Metallica's right. out there having to anti-gatekeep their own shit. They're on Twitter going, hey, look, we love the fans. They're just finding us for the first time. You fuckers that are saying, you know, you know, you fake Metallica fans. You just found them. And that's all that. You know, we've been here. Since the- you guys just need to shut the hell up. Up uh, quick gatekeeping. I saw that. And it's twenty twenty two response. Fuck yeah, I love it. It's it still made me laugh because I had to say this online, um, and it was a it was a thing. They talked about uh, somebody was talking about in response to the uh, thing Metallica did and with the shirts and everything um, that uh, they had uh, said that Master of Puppets being basically a a <laughs> anti drug type song talking mm-hmm. about you know the the ruins of going down that path yeah yeah yeah. probably not the best choice of songs they have so many different cthulhu themed monster songs that would have been great for that as opposed to that particular song but when those licks come in you do hear them and i'm like ironically that actually made a connection to me that i don't think it made to anybody else because when uh when my friend had her daughter they would listen to master of puppets on a regular basis so when the daughter was running around jumping around the house screaming monster monster all the time we couldn't figure out for the longest time why she was doing monster monster and then we found out she was she misheard master from the song Mm. of course they play it so loud that's funny but um and so in my mind for that one thing because of my friend's daughter it actually fit yeah i'm not gonna say I, i I may have or may have not immediately gone back and watched that scene two or three more times after I finished the show. I'm just saying. But <laughs> those guitar licks you're talking about, that is why it was picked. Pl- hands yeah. down. The entire intro of that song is just perfectly staged. Oh, that, for that, that song was Especially since you could do well so much with, with guitar, just guitar, before you brought in any other background instruments. Yeah. You know, and he did a lot of that. It was, it was really good. Anyway. Uh, uh, welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games, mostly, uh, something material. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm Richard. I'm Joe. 
I'm Vanessa. Yeah. So, it, but the reason I brought it up is I, I feel like uh, it seems like I've got a whole bunch of old school Renaissance stuff, you know, being thrown at me lately. A lot of, a lot of Kickstarters that are, uh, you know, like you can do, the, you can get the, if you loved, you know, 5e or old school gaming, here's, you're going to love this. I'm like, okay. And I do, don't get me wrong. I do have a very, very, very touched place in my heart for all of these things, but I don't play them. I mean, right. let's let's be real. There are gamers out there that that's what they play. Not a lot of gamers, in my experience, play newer games, then go home and love the old games at the same time. And I'm not saying that you can't. I'm not saying there aren't exceptions to that rule. But if you are a first edition AD&D player and you still play first edition AD&D, you probably don't go out of your way to get involved with the 5e group very much. Not saying, again, not saying there are people that do, but it, it's it's a different animal. People that right. play yeah. those old games, those old school games, they do it because that's what they love. You know, and they, that they haven't wanted to move on to what's come out in the years since. That style of gaming is what drew them into it, and it's what they still want to be involved with and engaged with. That's fine. That's not me. I, I loved it at the time. I gamed it at the time. I grew up with it. You know, I played original D&D and first edition and second edition and third edition and third and a half and fourth and Pathfinder and fifth. I've done it all. And I, I'm in fourth only for a couple sessions, but still. Right. I, I Enough to know, right? And uh, I love me some fifth edition D&D, and I'm sure I'll love whatever comes next because I'm really, really a gaming whore. So... <laughs> In my OneDrive, every day comes up and says, here's some memories from this day for the past <laughs> yeah. so many years. Yeah, yeah. 17 years ago today. Good God. 17 wow. years ago today, uploaded to my OneDrive, was a picture of a game table with some miniatures, a dice, a crude map on plexiglass over white paper, and a GM screen. I bet you we were playing Pathfinder, but still... And, and, kind of I mean, that's, amazing. That's the thing that kind of fucks you, the right? Too, is the, the fact that you use the words 17 years ago today, which makes it sound like just this archaic thing. thing. 17 years ago was like 2005, <laughs> man. That was, right. like, that was like the third 3.5 era, you know, well, just nothing. It's so yeah. weird because you think about that. I'm, I'm in Pathfinder, playing Pathfinder. That was the fourth time I got back into playing role play games oh, yeah. in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, how many times have I walked first away time. and come back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. These guys had not gotten there yet, so nope, so, not yet. It, it was just it was so interesting. I wanted to share the picture, but then I couldn't remember who. Well, I didn't show the people, but I kind of get scared when my social media starts showing me stuff from that far back. Like well, the, the, this drive. really does, really does kind of you know showcase the era a little bit. Uh, I, I OneDrive. I mean, I've got I do that. I get that the the like the thing in my email that drops. It's like you know this day and such and such and such well, and such. I have told OneDrive over the years not to save my photos to OneDrive. <laughs> it will find any excuse to start saving my photos to OneDrive. <laughs> so right. I have, I have. In and amidst, every time I get one of those things, I end up with like a thing from like 10 years ago that's just full of little square hex map filler tokens or images or things that you would use for an online thing because I was using uh, map tools. Sure. Um, RP map tools or uh, back then. Um, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, 
And dude, I, I get you. I I have this thing happen. The same thing where I'll get a I'll get a this day in OneDrive, and it's got like this random pictures of like character art, like NPCs probably or something that I used for something. It's like I have no idea where the fuck these came from. No idea why they're there, what I use them for, or why I wanted them. They're ugly, but you know what? <laughs> there you go. It was twelve years ago. What the hell do I know? You know. Yeah, the point to just it. start collecting tools just in case something ever came up in an online game. Oh, God, my voice is low today. I've been fighting a cold for like three, four, five days. It's right. Like, you know, it's, it's funny because my wife really makes fun of me now because I can't hit high registers at all. And I will still try to sing along with shit, even though I, there's no way. Mm. I have a range of like a note and a half. <laughs> it's, it's not happening. But you sound but, good on my headset. So Hey, that's my goal. That's my goal. Well, you know what? This only helps as a DJ. You know, it's, it's like. If you didn't know my normal voice, this would sound awesome. I dated a girl in the 90s. It sounded like me? God, no. I'm so <laughs> <with> her. <laughs> no, I dated a girl in the 90s who would call and wake me up at 7 o'clock in the morning because first thing in the morning I had the really deep voice. <laughs> That's great. And she, she loved my voice. So she would call and wake me up. And I'm like, did you need something? She's like, no, I just nope. wanted to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, my... Uh, Oh gosh, it got worse. Um, Jonica <laughs> calls on my school, my my uh, smooth jazz voice because that, that's because whenever I did like uh, smooth jazz radio stuff, it was always kind of that register. You know, be like, right. oh, like you're listening to, you know, it's like, yeah, that's where you you play with the balance to try and make your voice more like that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, eventually you give up and you realize you're never going to sound as cool as you do in your own head. So, oh, right. thank you guys, yeah. everybody, for, for listening to me. It's amazing. Well, yeah, Wolfman Jack. Wolfman Jack was incredible head, so. always. But you know that had to kill him. I mean, it had to kill him. I don't care how good you. you oh, ooh. yeah. You know, it's just like I, I really appreciate um, singers. You know, singer, I use the term loosely, especially in metal. You know, they, they they can do the rowling, the roaring, and the growling and stuff, and and all that very fried stuff, and yet keep it up for like twenty years, right? And still sound mostly like they did twenty years ago. Like, uh, no, not not me. Not going to happen. If I, I I try to do that for like four minutes, and I'm done. Never again. I mean, I, I'll lose my voice for the rest of the night. Right. Like Elizabeth from Charismatic uh, Voice uh, yeah. talks mm-hmm. about um, good ways and bad ways to achieve the growl to keep your voice longer. And it's interesting because there's there's, there's good techniques and then there's really bad techniques that will there just are wipe certain, you out. certain NPCs I really wish I could maintain this for. You know what I'm saying? Just, just because right. I love doing the voices. Right. Anyway. Uh, let's stop basking in that. Tsunamicon is coming up. If you haven't heard, which would be Yay. weird if you're listening to us, Tsunamicon uh, is happening October 21st through 23rd. It's going to be a live event this year. We're back at the table. We want you to be there. You can find out all the details, how to buy tickets. Uh, you can register games now, set them up. I mean, you can't register to play, but you, if you want to run something, we'd very much like you to get it listed. That includes all of you jokers, by the way. I, uh, I still need to decide what I'm uh-huh, doing. Vanessa still <laughs> needs to decide. She, she, she bought herself a, I am running a GM heavy weekend pass. And I, so, you know, <laughs> I expect to, to see some fair, gaming up there. I've been trying to GM at the last two and no one ever shows up for my games. Maybe get them listed early <laughs> enough. Oh, uh, you know. Uh, you never, you hey, never know. I was able to request days off. I may, I may be, I may be free on Friday. Awesome. <laughs> That's uh, TsunamiCon.org is is the uh, place to go, and you know, get get your tickets now. I mean, buy them, buy them in advance. We appreciate that. It's the best price available on these tickets. We still got some VIGs left if you're looking for the the big spender stuff. You know, um, 
we have a we're, we're at a lovely well hotel this it. year lovely hotel and we got a great uh, price on the rooms and stuff and there's links of all that on the website as well any questions get a room. it's all there uh you can always reach out to me if you have any questions or you know anything feedback at prismatic tsunami.com so so I, I found an interesting conversation, um, and it, it's I, I always get a kick out of this because there's a, there'll be like one person who will start like a thread in a forum or uh, a discussion thread somewhere on Reddit or something, and it'll be one person is like um, I I have an issue with this thing, and then you'll have like eighty people that respond that is in your head, sir. That is your issue, uh, and, and and by the by the by the by the eightieth person, you obviously know you're in the minority. But this was an interesting one. This this guy was talking about metagaming, which seemed like a thing that we might occasionally discuss. And it might come sometimes. up on this podcast once or twice. <laughs> once or twice. We try to, you know, we, tr- we try to be very chill <laughs> about the whole metagaming thing, you know. Uh, but it, it's all a question of definitions, right? When you think metagaming, you know, for, for one... It, it it has a largely negative connotation, but not necessarily, right? There's, uh, I think we've talked about on the show before. I know we have because the show's been going for 10 years and there isn't anything we haven't talked about. Uh, but where there are examples of metagaming that can improve the gaming experience for everybody involved. Because the idea of metagame is just things that, that involve and affect play, but uh, utilize information that isn't part of the internal narrative. Like is literally every die roll is meta. Yeah. Because yeah. your characters are not experiencing that die roll. More or less. I mean, that's, they just of course, experience the results of the die roll. That's, of course, taken to a very fine that's point. That's a fine te- but But technically, if you get to that's where you're talking about the interpretation of it, though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in that regard, you could think in terms of the dice being the randomizer, right? So... I don't play the certainty um, that I'm going to accomplish a thing. I'm playing the odds. Right. right. Every time I walk into a situation, if there is a chance of failure, then it's you know how good I'm going to be at it depends on my assessment of my own talents. And that was actually the particular um, conversation that I had read. Started with a, a gentleman who was upset that he had players who, whenever a situation came up and he would call for a check or roll of some sort. Someone would ask the question, okay, so who's got the best blah, you know, so that so that it was always being all the roles were being made at the highest level of ability the party could sustain. Because what they would have been saying is, hey, who's one of you guys is really good at locks, right? It, right. it reminded me of the the because I watched the gamers recently again the Dead Gentleman show because Gabriel was old enough that he could appreciate it now and you know very the the meta D and D stuff is very fun for him and uh, there's that moment where it's like when you're just like okay who's got the most hit points you know, Rogar of course you know and walks into the trap gets blasted by the trap and is fine after the thief gets killed two or three times and he, and argues about having ever gone into it. Yeah, it's it's the the idea of okay, who is it that can you know who's who's going to be the best at at you know coming up with this answer or doing this thing or or whatever, but obviously you know there were there and I found this interesting. I think there were two largely distinct camps. One um, that either claimed that this was not in fact a metagaming thing um, because it was just players discussing a, kind of a shorthand way of accomplishing things that the characters wouldn't know. Like, we travel together. We all know that Jack is the best at survival, you know, but we don't always remember that at the top of our head who has the best roles or the best bonuses or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but our characters would know kind of thing. Or people who are like, 
this is not negative metagaming. Uh, fuck a deal. This is, you know, what you're talking about having a problem with just makes the game less fun. These are people playing a game and utilizing the tools that they have to play the game to be good at the game. You know, uh, okay, who's who's got the diplomacy, guys? Who's got the persuasion role? You know, uh, now, to be fair, this isn't a question that comes up much on my table. And I had to think about that. Why is this not a thing? You know, I, it can't be because my players don't work in this fashion. Because we do. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But it, it, it does it in a very immersive quality or more or more organic quality. Right. I'll, I'll sit here and go, well, I'm I'm particularly good at opening locks and getting into to places where I'm not supposed to. And then Octavia says, well... <laughs> I am too, but go ahead and try. I am too. Yeah, and go that's, ahead and try. that's part of it is that typically I don't call for skill checks until I'm looking at a certain person saying, I need you to make that role for me. At some point, somebody has with their character or in character decided they're going to do a thing. And I decide as a game master that a role is necessary. Right. And we decide so, who's doing what we're doing when yeah, we bring it yeah. up to you in the first place. It's not the party needs to unlock this door. Right. Exactly. It is. Well, I'm the one looking at this door right now. I wonder if I can unlock it. Like, or, hey, I'm about or, to unlock this door. Could we get uh, could we get the guy in the armor like right. next to me? That would be great. Or it is. I've got the locked door in front of me. Well, the party's around me. Um, hey, Octavia, you think you could open this? You know, I mean, there is a certain, but but it's but <laughs> it's very say, you organic. Get out of the way. She would say, right, right. Yeah. Well, no, in, in Octavia's case, because of that contrariness curse, she's, she's like, she won't no. do it. Oh, is that what? Oh, oh, yeah. I didn't pick up that was because of the curse. Oh, yeah, you yeah. should. You literally I gave her the curse. I kept finding weapons and giving them to people because I'm like, oh, this weapon would work good for you. And they all ended up being cursed weapons. I have literally given half the party cursed weapons. Hers is a ring, but yeah, same principle. It was like, or, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Cursed items. Uh, it's funny. It's hilarious. Now, the I think, like everything, it's not one or the other of those two camps. It It very much falls in the middle. It depends on the situation. If the party has a chance to discuss beforehand if they have a plan, yeah, I can see you just saying, yo, who has the best persuasion? We're going to go in there. We're going to try to lie to this guy. We're going to try to get our way. It is a nice little quick shorthand to say who's the most persuasive, who's going to be the best at this. But if you're in the middle of the situation and I'm in there trying to talk to this person, I'm trying to get a good deal on a new sword and yeah. I have shit persuasion, I'm not going to be like, oh, hold on. They're going to make the persuasion check because they're better at it. Right. Uh, unless, yeah, uh, not again, works. not unless you literally were in a, a situation where your character would make that decision for some reason. Right. Like, hey, uh, Harold, can you help me out here? This, this looks you know? good, but can my friend come in and talk to you because I have found I am not good at buying stuff. But I would never right. penalize players or be angry at them because a player turned We're and using said, the terms. hey, do, do, you have a high persuasion, don't you? You know, because obviously we know their the character is not looking at them saying that. You're and I would prefer, I prefer we, the immersion yeah. of everything being in character, but I don't have a problem with it not because it's a fucking game. Exactly. Don't really sleep there's, over it. There's one that I've done many times and I've heard a lot of people do the same thing. You know, you're, you're in, in the middle of a battle and the cleric says, hey, how are you looking? And I'll go like, oh, on a scale of one to 87, I'm a 34. <laughs> yeah, I've right. done that so many times. I mean, that's that's very much metagaming. I mean, the, those are arbitrary numbers, but it gets the point across that, hey, I'm not doing the best. I've taken like a couple good wallops. I need some help. 
Uh, conversely, there are some players, kid comes to mind, who are the kind of people who, who will just, you know, he could be at seven out of 83 hit points and go, ah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm still dragging along. Because yeah. in his character's mind, he's not down. Right. You know, and it's, so it's, it's, it's really a question of how the player approaches their character's perspective yeah. on things. The I've always pretty much just given the health because it's not just what my character's thinking. I can be like, oh, I'm still in right. this. I still, but the person looks at me and I'm bleeding out my nose See, and my it, ear and right. I have a hot they, they eye hanging out. And I'd be the one who's inclined to say something like, if I was in that situation, like, no, I'm fine. Don't, you know, I, I, I'm still kicking. Not a problem, man. You know, stretches my arms or whatever. Then I look at the other player and go, actually, I'm like eight hit points. Right. Well, and that's why I don't feel bad about, um, I'll use the, Okay, I use this GM screen thing on my D&D Beyond uh, extension. Don't get excited about it yet. Because I can see the hit points. I can see who has the strongest It just shows like a kind of a snapshot of character stats. But I'm going to know who is more quick and who is smarter and who is whatever. Because I've been running with these people and I have an idea of that stuff. It just gives me a peek up the skirts of things my character would already know. Anyway, I would see the fact that you look like you are near death. Right. You know, that's uh, and even if I have that, the uh, that extension, by the way, uh, apparently is no longer on the Chrome Store. Oh, it was pulled, and I don't know why. And it most likely was because it was gathering data it shouldn't have been. Yeah, yeah that's that's a good point. Yeah, it's, it's funny. And now that you mention it, it had never occurred to me before. But there might be the kinds of players, gamers out there, that would not like the fact that somebody else at the table is sitting there looking over their character stats. And it just and, shows a few of the stats. It's not like I'm looking at the right, whole character. Well, but D&D Beyond but lets could. me look at the whole character sheet. Yeah, you yeah. could. I mean, you guys can look at each other's we, character we've sheets. We've ran each other characters that way before. But for the most part, I... I'm not going to look that far up your skirts. Well, it hadn't, it hadn't even offensive. occurred to me. Like I said, it hadn't even occurred to me before that that might be an issue. But the, the I mean, Over the, 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 the old school gamer, though, in me is like, you know, oh, like, I have my character sheet. You fucking look at my character sheet. You know? uh, I'd have no problem showing anyone my character sheet. They right. probably can't read it because my handwriting is terrible, <laughs> but I'll show it to them. Yeah, well, that's true. You do write in code. Yeah. You know what? And it's that's hard enough true. for me to read it. As, as to your advantage, right? I think that's a plus six. It could be a plus three, but we'll go with six. Wait, how many? What's his, a, what's his a, uh, AC? Oh, yeah, it's a plus six. Yeah, right. <laughs> Man, I uh, my my son had a first character death recently in a game. Oh, right? nice. Running a house game, and he had a character who at third level, we call it the Vanessa effect, um, had a character who got... <laughs> I can't a, imagine why. Got killed in a battle with a, a wormling dragon, green dragon. It was a it was a smaller group, you know, three three PCs, and he just didn't didn't make it. He didn't make it. Poison will mess you up. I actually just lost a character on Friday. Really? Wow. But it was the uh, last right. <laughs> but it was the last game of a campaign that we've been playing since. <gasps> Well, we started online. Oh, is this during the, pandemic, the one you finally the, got together and finished? You we got finally the finished death. Tomb. Yeah, we finally finished Tomb of Annihilation. <laughs> so. Like a leaf, I'm a leaf on the wind. See how I. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Uh, how did how to go? Did you guys win? Uh, two out of the four of us survived. Neat. And we killed a Sarak. Now his phylactery is still somewhere, but we got rid of that form of him. Yay! Right. You know, it's, it's a the little story thing. continues. Yeah, that's a pretty tough adventure, though. I mean, yeah, that's the point. And I went literally. I knew where we had ended this session before that my character was dead. There was no way. I was a barbar- uh, barbarian. I'm in the middle of my frenzied rage. 
<laughs> I'm separated from my party. A Therak walks through a portal. He's within my leaping distance because I'm a grung. And my turn is next. I'm like, I'm going to jump right at his face and attack. He is going to murder me. <laughs> I, have, I have two backup characters for Tomb of Annihilation right now. Yeah. This, I'm, this was my third character in this game. It's crazy, guys. I have, I have two characters ready to roll in at any moment. But we did get... We, we completed our goal. We stopped the death curse. And two of our four members got out and survived. And what did we learn from this experience, Joseph? That that was a badass move. I jumped right at a Therak <laughs> and the, hit him in the face with an axe. Badass. <laughs> Absolutely. Because that's the thing that people are going to talk about when they leave the theater. I did like 80-some damage in one round. Dude. Then he killed me. That's <laughs> beautiful. You were running up that hill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I I haven't had the pleasure of that, of that adventure. I haven't had a chance to run it or play it, so... It's days. a really fun one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a port uh, manteau of the old Tomb of Horrors, you know, yeah. which was it, just a killer dungeon. So now I will I say, although it's still times. a it's still a fairly deadly module, they pulled more of the uh, trap and puzzles, less of the oh, you made the wrong choice, you're dead. That was a thing. Yeah, old school gaming, my friend. I've ran the Tomb of Horrors. It's like, oh, you, you, you touched yourself with that side of the wand. You're dead. Right. Dude. Yeah. Do I get a saving? No. No, you're just no. Done. You just made a bad, random decision. I did. Ran across a wrong. video on YouTube where somebody went back and read passages out of the first edition AD and D Game Master's Guide. And it's like, none of this is talking about party balance or anything like that. It's talking oh, about no. things like why they're, why everybody's middle class. Nobody's, nobody's noble. Nobody's poor. You know, they're all in the same level. Why you're this, why you're that, why you start with this. And, and why food is so important. And it had some interesting thoughts, but yeah, it showed the difference in thinking. I'm like, yeah, some of that I'm glad it's gone with 5e. Right. But uh, some of that... I kind of, I kind of get, but to him, tracking food and dying from starvation was part of the game. That and there's still, I mean, there's still a thought kind of paradigm that works like that. Survival is an element of gameplay that some people really dig, and there's some genres less high fantasy and more, you know, horror or uh, post-apocalyptic or you know, shit like that. Some genres where survival is such a huge element of the game. That things like tracking, you know, provisions and making sure you have the things you need for any situation, you know, or don't, you know, and right. suffer the consequences. That all really matters. I never enjoyed that in D and D. I never. Yeah. I didn't when I was young. I, it, in fact, when Dark Sun was first uh, released in in second edition and uh, came out as a setting. Now, eventually, they did better stuff with it. But the very first release with the box set and everything, some of the early adventures, Just I tried to run everything. some of that, and that shit drove me crazy. I hated a game, and this is where I discovered, I hated a game where the game world was your biggest enemy. Right. Where the setting was <laughs> trying to kill you. Yeah. yeah I've played but, where it's like, oh, you need to know how many arrows did you bring, and how many did you shoot, and oh, now you have to roll to see how many you picked back up after the battle. And, <laughs> and now, we, to, we play with that sometimes. To be fair, the fact that the digital tools that are available now make that sort of stuff so easy. Easy. 
yeah. does make it more relevant. I enjoy, now I am not the person who sits there and forces you to keep track of how many arrows you have, but I enjoy the fact that several of my players do. Right. And I like the reality of that. I still like, um, oh God, where was I going to say? Ah, my brains. Um, but they talk about, um, oh, the, the thing is, is that if you track that all the time, then the GM can put you in a situation where you're in a particular part of an adventure where suddenly, where it's normally not an issue, food is an issue, and that becomes part of the story, which yeah. is only really relevant for that part of the story. But if you don't track it all the time, then all of a sudden the characters are going to be like, wait, why are we tracking food all of a sudden? Yeah. Right. Yeah. We. I we've have. Had, I have ten thousand rations in my portable hole. We've had some conversations about this because our Tuesday night game right now is in the desert, and it does involve a great deal of overland travel in the desert. The party had to be equipped for, but from the outset, they went ahead and supplied themselves, and yet they had a cleric with them who could create food and water. Right. You know, they. they it's a good thing we prepped. <laughs> I took that on my cre- I took that on my uh, backup cleric. By the way, if my character yeah. dies, I, my character right. has to create food and water again, so we'll be out of the dire situation. And, and that's the funny thing is when that character, when that cleric died, suddenly the party had to worry about so it. We're like, never oh, had to deal with we have half the point. food we would have brought, <laughs> we have, which which and water. When we're already two weeks into the desert, is actually important because there's not as many sources stored out here. So it's kind of a funny thing. But like the, the, the Liaman's Hut is another interesting example. Uh, Rich's character has a Liaman's Hut spell. Cast it as a ritual all the time, you know. Uh, so you throw up a hut that protects everybody for eight hours. There's not a lot of ways to fuck with the party in that situation. Uh, there is a really, but, there's a know. really good one. If you read the rules, the hut is a dome. There is no protection from below. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, we talked about a lot of things. We found an official ruling that said it did have a floor. Oh, I've seen that it didn't have a floor that you can have stuff come from the bottom. I'd so have to look it up then. Yeah. Anyways, I saw I saw it read both ways. That's the worst part. Yeah. Um, some yeah, some we listener went will over it, and you know what? <laughs> there's there's a lot of fuzzy when it comes to D and D magic. One thing that I thought was kind of fun is that they're using it to camp out when they're in the middle of the desert, right? So uh, blowing winds and sand during the night can bury them. There yeah. you go. So I was just gonna say a purple worm from below, but. Well, and that's the thing, is that if my character dies and I end up going with the cleric for livability that way, we lose the hut. Right. Well, here, here's the thing that I find interesting about that, though, too. Because you immediately went to a, oh, here's a thing you can do. I'm not looking for things to do. Right. As a game master, it, 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 there's a lot of GMs who are going to be, you know, frustrated by how this makes things too easy for their players or something. I'm not... I'm not, I don't worry about that. You know, I, I'm not there to take away my, the fun of my players coming up with clever ways to protect themselves every night. You know, I may occasionally come up with a challenge that circumvents it, but I'm not going out of my way to find one. Right. You know, it's, it's not about that. Uh, I mean, you get right down to it. A freaking Dispel Magic can play havoc with that whole plan. Yes. And you know, has, I think. not that hard, yeah. I but, was running once and I was DMing a game. And I had them the, always doing Liam in Tiny Hut, but then they came up across someone who knew how the hut works. So instead of dispelling it, they found him in the middle of the night and just started piling boulders on top of it. Yeah. They had a bunch of giants, so the d- giants just started piling. Are you trying shit to say rocks when that spell fell, everyone out. died? Yep. That's exactly yeah. what he's saying. And I don't think you can, you know, like, misty step out of that thing either, I'd imagine. I don't know. You, may, you probably can't, actually. But you have to time it right. <laughs> 
the party That's saw it. what was going to happen, so they dropped it and fought their way out before they got completely buried. You know, I've noticed an interesting thing. Um, in my youth and through much of my middle years, I guess, it seemed like most of my parties were usually six, seven players, sometimes even eight large parties. And I, I mean, I got to the point where that was my expectation. If I, I didn't run a game usually with less than six players, seven was kind of my standard. And these, of course, weren't online games. But you actually, I've started to notice, I talked to, I've talked in recent years about how much I enjoy kind of the smaller groups that we've gotten into. A lot of it's the role playing. You know, yeah. there's, there's a little more intimacy in it. There's a lot more screen time in it, things like that, a little more character development. But I also have you know, never really concerned myself with things like, you know, the characters do, don't cover all the bases. You know, it's like you don't have somebody. If nobody plays a wizard, then nobody knows wizardy shit. Okay. You know, it, it doesn't have to be necessary for your game. If you as a game master put challenges. Now, again, I don't necessarily feel like I have to tailor every challenge in a game to my player character's abilities because that seems unrealistic to me. If you decide to go in a situation that calls for arcane knowledge, that none of you fucking have okay yeah you obviously have come up across <laughs> an obstacle you're gonna have to get creative with and especially when you run games as small as like three people like my house game often is with my family their solutions have been things like you go find an npc that knows that shit and you hire them to come with you yeah you know and that's great i've, I've had to be been able to kind of march out a small cavalcade of npc hirelings that they pick up occasionally when they run into them in different bars which is kind of neat but Coming back to that Tomb of Annihilation game that we just ended, I was a barbarian. We had someone who was a warlock and two rogues, and that was our whole party. Wow. You were the only real martial character then. Oh, wow. Yeah. The two rogues are who survived. Yeah. And, of course, well, again, Tomb of Annihilation. It, yeah. It's don't be where you're going to get hit. Oh, my gosh. That's insane, but, dude. But that's so we had to get kind of creative, and, and, and there was and a lot of stuff we missed. Those adventures are really kind of designed for a more broad, you know, diversity of talents, obviously. And uh, because D&D Adventures League focuses on that six-player maximum, you know, you typically aren't expecting to run those games with fewer than five players. Right. And so as a game master, you are encouraged, obviously, to make modifications if you end up with a smaller party or a larger party, what have you. Just like you can if you have levels above or below. Yeah. But the only modification I really know that Alicia did was she threw in more health potions because we had no way of healing. That would make a difference. And I mean, that since since the fun of the game relies on your ability to have some modicum of survival, your options are either to make things less deadly or provide more healing capability. And frankly, combat in D&D is swingy enough that... A, it doesn't even matter what level you're at. You're going right. to need healing of some kind if you play it we straight. lost our cleric. I think we ended up with a wand of cure-like wounds at one point. Yeah, that's useful, isn't it? So I don't, I don't necessarily worry too much about tailoring adventures and obstacles and challenges necessarily to the party. But I do find it interesting that now that I've played with so many smaller groups, four, three, four, five players, that you notice when certain abilities are lacking that are common in the D&D paradigm, running D&D games. And I, I find that interesting. You know, it's, it's like it, it doesn't necessarily ruin an adventure or anything. But it does, like you said, there are things you guys missed. Eh, big deal. I mean, you can still right. play through the story, still finish the adventure, what have you. 
But what if some of the things that are missed are really cool things? They just you don't get yeah. you don't really get to introduce them because it doesn't really fit there being no player character that can really take advantage of it. And I don't just mean like the one person who could unravel the clue to it or something. I mean literally it's like if you ain't got no wizard and I got cool things that only wizards are gonna be able to do anything cool with, then what right. the fuck? Yeah. Right, right. And some of the cool story stuff that we missed, like later on Alicia's like, yeah. You know, your characters don't know this, but this is cool. So this is what was there because we've already left and we're not going back. But a barbarian lockpick is horrible when you have potions in a chest. Yeah. (laughs) That was never the problem with the two rogues. The issue was when that lock had a magic trap on it because we had no one who knew magic. I mean, even our warlock, it's a it's a warlock that's not going to know arcane traps very well now there's still a distinction between players who decide not to worry about covering their bases and players who decide whether or not to diversify in game because it's fine still i have absolutely no issue with players you know playing three or four characters who don't cover a lot of ground as long as they're happy but right. most of the time players like to have niches that nobody else does in some fashion yeah and the nice thing with the the fifth edition rules if you're going to be playing Dungeons and dragons is that y- you can There's diversify those classes so much now i i do want to do arcane trickster at yeah. some point but yeah right now without healers we still have a uh, celestial warlock and uh, i have a number of heals on my bard Celestial Warlock, that's we got, right. We got Vanessa. two half yeah. healers, just not the same right. as one whole healer. He- healer, healer issues. I, I mean, I, I prevent people from dying. You have saved the party <laughs> many times, sometimes single-handedly by pretending to be a god. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was really looking forward to this last uh, last session that we had in that game, where the previous session the party had split up because. Uh, they failed. They went into a fight that kicked their ass. Two of them ran for it while the others were all getting slaughtered. So two of them escaped thinking everybody else was dead. One of them had a magic that whisked him away before the final blow, but he didn't, since he was unconscious at that point, he had no idea whether anybody else survived. And then the other three were captured, but uh, they were dragged out into the desert, staked down to die in the sun. And one of them was faking being unconscious. It was, you know, was faking being out. So... He was able to kind of rescue the others once the, they had been abandoned. And the, the still, none of them knew who else had survived, if anybody. So I, I was like, this is awesome. And there's so much going on in this place. This, the party is like dealing with so many moving currents and things that are happening in the background. And they're going to have different aims and different goals right now, trying to figure out what the hell to do next and how, that, how to follow up. And so it's, it's going to be this chaotic mess. And it turns out that by complete fucking happenstance, literally an accident of geography. Of all things. Two of the members decide to camp out right in the middle of the path the others would take to get to where they were going. It's not a common path for the campsite. <laughs> which, which was the reason for it, obviously. Yeah. And that's part of it is they were all trying to kind of move out in secret at that point. But consequentially, yeah. it's like they by the end of the session, they'd all found each other again. I was like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but if you weren't looking for the dome, you wouldn't see the dome. But the people in our party knew the dome intimately. Right. Yeah. The tiny hut. Tiny hut. Hashtag tiny hut. Yeah, it, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not really bitching about it. I mean, obviously, having everybody together will be more fun for everybody still, in the long run. For a non-combat adventure that that entire game session, session yeah. was 
the fact that we all through our own workings came together again kind of is one of those whole uh, second uh, after the cliffhanger episode of everybody getting back into the swing. <laughs> you call it serendipity. Mm-hmm. I call it schadenfreude. And, you know, it's just it's a matter of <laughs> perspective, right? No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. You guys still have a lot to deal with. So uh, that, that game is on the verge of going off the rails, which I think is amazing. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Not, not, not that there's literally a rail, but you know, I, I don't, I don't railroad anybody. But there's a definite story. The there, there's definite story beats involved, and at this point, they are seriously endangering the, being able to engage with any of them moving forward. So I'm very curious what happens next. I mean, if I could story nuke the camp, I would at this point right. and say, "Fuck this! I'm out of here." Yeah, but so you bad, find then. a high level person who can cast Meteor Storm, and you actually nuke it. Too bad they're literally the only port in the, well, the only oasis in a desert. I don't know. Only port in the I look at it. So, uh, yeah, that, that'll be fun to get back to. I'm looking forward to getting back to our Monday night, Joe. Yes. Yeah. Like, we have like this fucking string of cancellations. Like we had one game session since I moved. Yeah. Stupid life. Yeah, We're, we should be good for tomorrow. We're good over here for tomorrow. Yay. Yeah. We'll see how it goes over here. As usual. Yeah. Right. It just everything is going to go fine. And then one of these days it's going to be Nira somehow. I, right. I don't, know, I don't know how. It's yeah. never Nira. It's always Nira, everyone Nira, else. Nira doesn't miss a game session. She could be dying. She could be in the hospital. Bring me my phone. That's it's fine. Though. And, and but you know, I'm looking forward to getting back to that game because it's kind of yeah. a, it's kind of a mess too, where everybody got separated. You know, two two basic right. camps, and I thought that was going to last longer. And it's it's I mean it's going to last a bit, obviously. Yeah, but, we now know where everyone is. It's just a matter of getting back together. Yeah, I, I forgot they had a way to communicate. Yay, sending. <laughs> so I'm looking at Run and War of the Burning Sky again. If you're a, a listener to the show, a longtime listener to the show, you definitely heard us talk about it because it's the campaign we were in the middle of when we started Metagamers Anonymous 10 years ago. But that was a, a very different group of people. So, are, Joe, are you interested in getting in on that? We're looking at Sundays. My, my only problem is once my summer job's done, I'll be back to driving on Sundays. Ah, okay. So I only got like three or four weeks left. I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, it, it looks like, a, I mean, it should be a fun game, obviously. It, I know the adventure is is epic. It's really good. And um, we're still working on seeing if we can get the schedule together for it. But Right. I'd say I, if it was like during the week, I'd be all for it. But weekends, yeah, I got to be out and there driving. During the week, I'm dead, especially during tax season. Right. I find a struggle <laughs> getting two and a half hours of Tuesday out. Yeah, I, I thought that actually might be really good for you, Rich, to get to game on Sunday again because you always were able to handle it better. Because I've got time. <laughs> More conscious. Right. Yeah. And and Sundays, there's only four months of the year that Sundays might be a problem, and even then there's only a total of 16 weeks that, that might be affected. Yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, that's that's just something you got to deal with, just like we do every year. Yeah. We do every year. Uh, I'm, yep. I'm trying to look at Sonomicon schedules for next year, and because I'm looking at after-tax you know, extension, it, it limits my options a lot and they have like right now that hotel that i'm working with has like one ho- one weekend open and it's halloween weekend it's like i don't know if i want to do that you know right but it may be the only choice we have we're working on it might be able to do some costume party stuff though yeah yeah for the 100 people who actually show up <laughs> we can call it tsunami con satanic panic the problem isn't the theme, guys. The problem is the attendance. Let me remind you how this works. It takes about 10, 12 grand to put this thing on. I got to make it back. Right. And uh, that means people have to show up. So and, I'll start playing you know, the lotto now. and <laughs> Or just Joe, I guess. Yeah, that's, that works too. You know? 
<laughs> Joe's like, I'm here. <laughs> Somebody play in my game. <laughs> right. And so Paul like, just Joe at the end of the table. <laughs> some of our, uh, a lot, several of our gamers are hard, hardcore Savage Worlds gamers. And now Pinnacle runs their online con on that weekend every year. Oh. Halloween. Oh, so oh yeah. I forgot about that. I'd, I'd lose at least a few there. Right. But, you know, we'll figure it out. We have Savage time Worlds one, is so. cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I got it. I've got that uh, fantasy companion alpha we're looking at right now because it's still, you know, I, I, I got into the, um, the not Kickstarter, but Pinnacle's doing their own thing now with those. I like the superhero compendium and the and the fantasy, the superhero companion and the fantasy companion they've done so far on their own crowdsourcing thing through their website. And um, I'm so glad I bought in uh, to both of them. The, the fantasy companion is, of course, the one that I really want because Suede has a lot of great rules changes in it and updates. But the the with the supers campaign, when I saw how much work they were putting into expanding on the rules and the, and the, the mechanics and stuff to make it work for that genre, I was like, if they do the same sort of work with the fantasy companion, it's going to be so much more than we've ever had for Savage Fantasy. Which has always been a little bit of a gray area for us because as much as uh, we love Savage Worlds, if you're going to play fantasy, there's always D&D, which we you right. know, play a lot of and know really well, you know, and have options. So it's like Savage Fantasy has always felt a little, I mean, it's different. It's, I've always liked it, but it's different. Well, when they did the Pathfinder port for Savage Worlds um, a few months back, you know. Check that out. The uh, the rules in, in the Pathfinder Savage Worlds book were really good. They had a lot of great ideas, and those have informed a lot of what they've done with the Savage Fantasy. I still thing. haven't I still haven't got a chance to play it, but every person I've talked to who has says it's an awesome port. It's good. It's really good stuff. I haven't got to play it either. Um, our friend John ran one at the game day, I think. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, he and I have talked about it quite a bit, and, and we were both waiting to see what the the fantasy book looked like and. Um, yeah, I've got the alpha release on my desktop and I've been sitting there reading through sections that some of the stuff they did for creating archetypes that fit, you know, the class structure is something similar to class structure D&D, how you would make characters that emulate that stuff. And it's really good. A lot of the, the magic stuff they came up with the backgrounds and stuff, how they handle all that is, is very cool. You know, just, and, and a lot of setting rules and options that are phenomenal. So much fun. I love me some Savage Worlds. I'm just super happy to see them doing more and more cool shit with it. Right. It just doesn't get old to me. Because that's what D&D needed. Exploding dice. Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> that is 100% what every system needs. Yes. <laughs> I don't think we need that with D20s. I, it's kind of pointless. I want to see a fireball do like 800 damage. You already had a potato that did 36. I know. Oh, that potato. <laughs> Best potato ever. <laughs> I, d- I decided to check out another campaign management tool. Have uh, you guys seen Scabbard? Yes, Justin yes. uses it for our Saturday game. Does he like it? Cool. I uh, I contacted the the owner and you know let him know if he uh, wants me to talk about it on the show. I'd be happy to check it out if he hooks me up. And he he hooked me up with the, like one of the legend accounts that has all the bells and whistles. Ooh, shiny. So uh, when I do this next campaign, I'm going to enter all everything in there to kind of see how it all works and how much I can do with it. But the relationship management looks just phenomenal. So much, so much more to it. So much better than a wiki. So much more approachable, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of utility in it. I'm excited to check it out. I can't really talk intelligently about it yet because all I've done is is read through some of the features and watched a couple of the videos. Until I get a chance to really try it myself, I don't have much to discuss. But we'll be talking about that. I've got a novel writing software because I don't write novels, which but I own tools because that's how I work. Um, I use a I use a novel writing software. I use Papyrus. And, uh, I uh, write write for write for write for now. There's a I lot. I can't of them. remember what it is. But There's a lot of good ones. Anyways, um, but uh, 
it's a uh, scabbard reminded me a lot of that. I think if I'm thinking of the right tool, scabbard reminded me of that, and I never got into it because I was not actually running. But it sounded like right. a great tool. I it had the resources I wanted. I just wasn't ready to. Well, I'm not sure how limited the free version. Does Justin have a paid account? Do you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a paid uh, account. He's able to set up all sorts of different pages that the players have access to, and yeah. hidden pages that we don't have access to. Yeah. Yeah. And they, everything they, they, links to everything if he sets it up right. It's actually a really cool tool that I wish. And he it looks like more when you does. when you set it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I noticed when you, when you, it looks like when you set it up right, it, it also becomes really easy to use. So oh, it's gosh, like yes. adding adding new you know things. You just you just type it and it's there. Exactly. And uh, the in fact you made me made me think of it because that novel writing software I use does that too, where you have records like a database style records you can use for characters and places and all that kind of stuff. But anytime you type a name that shows up as one of those records, it automatically puts the link in, you know, so I can just go through my, you know, writing a chapter and that stuff just kind of shows up so I can access it at any time. I still have my free account. I, I did. For, I did load it into it. Oh, ever. and it has changed. When I say I played with it, this was years ago. It was probably I knew it wasn't new a new product. I, and I, when I, I got mean, on I, I it. Think, that's uh, the thing. I think when we talked about it before... It was new, and I don't think it had this heavy of a feature. I, you know, I, I see improvements. So I'm excited. I'm excited to check it out. And I'll, I'll link it in the show notes horrible. for anybody that wants to check it out. I, yeah. I, 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 I can't really recommend anything yet beyond, you know, the excitement of, of looking into it. But keep in mind, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest about my experience with it. I tend to like, you know, cool utilities that give you options. So it I, is I'm a pretty cool easy utility. to impress. But um, but I'll talk about our actual experience with it so that you know you know what's going on because eh, everybody's needs are different. You know there are some um, utilities for campaign management out there that I've tried that I did not jive with. They weren't intuitive to me. Uh, the one I've been using lately, the one that John Ford does, um, Campaign Logger, which I I use for our, our Monday night game. I really like it, and I, I will still continue to use it for the campaigns I'm using it for because there's no reason not to. It's man, it, right. if I find something I like, you know, better or is different. Mm-hmm. You're already too uh, invested in the story into that. Well, yeah, and, and, and there's again, nothing wrong with the tool. And and again, I didn't pay for it, so you know, take that for what it is. But it's it's you know, it's, and it's only a paid for service, as far as I know. There's no free version on that one. Yeah, there might be. There's an update now, but I in any case, it is it is a really cool you know utility with a lot of options. But I I every every management you know every, every software piece of utility like that I find is different. You know they highlight different things. They focus on different things. So it, it's a lot of times it's obviously it's what the programmers and their community come up with. Like this is what I need to run my game. You know this was what makes it easier for me. And you know, that's that's going to vary by the individual. There's the one that um, I tried for a while that um, oh uh, the people that do Hero Lab Lone Wolf they uh, they they created one and I I feel bad that I can't remember the name of it now. The Realmworks, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I haven't played with that one. And I, I got in on the beta of it because they were a sponsor for the show, so I already had a bunch of Hero Lab stuff set up, and they were like, hey, you want to check this out? And we had a good relationship. And I struggled. I struggled. It looks like a great utility. It had a lot of options built into it, but it was not intuitive to me at all. You know, so everybody, again, everybody's even different. You, you know, you may be a person that tries that, and it you find it extremely easy to use and get what you need out of it. So I think that you know really varies, and you find that a lot with software. People people kind of take it for granted, I think, because there's so many software applications we use in everyday life now that all work basically the same. Because making things intuitive has become a huge part of what makes things accessible on a large scale. 
So if you're going to make a word processor and somehow try to compete with Microsoft, you got to make sure it offers everything in a way that's just as easy to use as Microsoft. Right. And that's saying something. Now, word processor is an right. extreme example, but there are other options out there, of course, than Word. You know, and similarly, we use like recording software for our, uh, you know, for the audio recording we're doing. And, uh, you know, in this group, this we're right now, everybody's recording their own voices. And yeah. uh, we're using different, you know, I use a different utility than everybody else is using. They have different functions, different strengths. And uh, I, I have everybody using that one because it's free. Right. <laughs> so everybody that comes free on the show. Right. I like could you, free. Could you go ahead and download this? And the one I'm using isn't, but it, I needed something that was more powerful for a lot of the editing tools and shit. Because you have to edit it once it gets done. You have to bring ours into yours. And it isn't we a just question, have to give you the file. It isn't a question of what it, the program is capable of doing. It's a question of how much work it takes to get there. I've discovered over the years that I do not have enough hours in my life to spend trying to edit shit in a bare bones editing system that I have to do every single little thing. Whereas, you know, when I, I use like I use an Adobe Audition and it's got all these filters and you know, things that you can set up to do various things for you. Just very powerful tools. And uh, a lot of people that use this kind of software don't even use all that stuff because it's it's kind of like overkill. Yeah, yeah I like you know, the. I'm looking at the payment page. I the prices are great, by the way. On Scabbers? Yeah, I'm looking at the monthly rates now too, and that's even more manageable uh, for me. Although it's 25 percent for a year, whatever. It, it, it's funny uh, that there was a time <laughs> there's when a Discord anything, tab, and that's in the free version. Yeah, that was cool. Although you know we wouldn't use it much because we go ahead and use video conferencing for our games. You know we don't need a whole lot of text on the side. We don't barely use our chats during the game. Discord integrated but, text into their video chat rooms. You won't have to yeah. do two rooms per thing anymore. Oh, maybe we should try that. Play it's actually pretty cool, and it, it works really well. Coolness. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. By the way, speaking of tools, yeah. Uh, but yeah, at the highest <laughs> level there, you can actually have an assistant GM on Scabbard. So you can have somebody else with a sign-in account that also is the, doing the assistant GM job and would have access to those tools. Vanessa's camera is all like, yeah, she, she was stretching so her camera's following her arm. She has a smart camera, and as usual, smart is a... Um, yeah, is relative. smart doesn't yeah. mean smart. See, <laughs> But when it keeps panning over the window, is that a Creality Ender 3 over there? It is. Thought so. Okay. <laughs> you people. It is wow. indeed. I've been looking at picking one of those up because my uh, Maker Select died a little bit ago. Would recommend. Right. Your players like, don't you need can, to pay a pay subscription. You can get good deals in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The real question with a lot of these utilities, especially because a lot of them have paid models, which is fine. I mean, I feel people should get paid for their hard work and their innovation. The real question comes down to if I'm going to pay a subscription fee, do I need it, right? Right. So right. W what can't I do with the utilities we're using? If I'm running, let's say, for example, War of the Burning Sky, um, this is a campaign. It's, it's, it was released by Ian Publishing. Like a lot of their stuff, it has a lot of custom rules that have been introduced in it that, that are I'm going to have to port into the game. It's largely pretty straightforward D&D, so it's not as bad as, say, Zeitgeist was. We did that because Zeitgeist was a very steampunky kind of setting. But this also, it does have some other stuff that I've got to figure out a way to get in there. And I have done some of that in D&D Beyond, because that's the platform we are accustomed to using for character creation and management. And it's a very good platform, so I want to be able to use it if I can. Plus, I pay a subscription fee, right? Well, most of us do, probably. Right. So when you, uh, when you already have that utility, you want to go ahead and use it as much as you can. And then I'll do things like, I did this a little bit in the adventures that we've got. Like um, in the Tuesday night game, I started with, 
the stuff from Tales of the Yawning Portal book, you know, the, for D&D 5th edition, which has some short adventures in it. I ran the first couple of adventures in it, and I went ahead and I bought the Tales of the Yawning Portal on D&D Beyond so that I would have it and have the adventures, the material, and the monsters and all that stuff. But then I was, we were rolling the game in Roll20, where we were using all the, the lighting effects, the dynamic lighting in the maps and stuff. And it was worth my money to purchase. And I pay a subscription fee for Roll20, so I have access right. to all that dynamic lighting. And then uh, I, it was worth it to purchase the products for those individual adventures in Roll20. Now, the Tales of the Yawning Portal would have been almost as expensive to buy in your Roll20 as it was in Deity, or you know what I mean. But I was able to buy just like the one adventure at Sunless Citadel or whatever. And so I buy that for like seven or eight or nine dollars or whatever, and I get access to the maps with all the lighting already set up and the monster tokens already in there and everything, right? All, all a done deal. I mean, I barely had to do anything to run the, to run the submission. I didn't have to do shit to prepare it except be familiar with the material and I knew it. So it's like easy, you know, worth it to spend the extra money to do it. But when you look at it, I did duplicate a lot of material in purchasing it in both places. Now I pay a subscription fee to roll 20, which we use for our, uh, I can't even really say we use it for our virtual tabletop, but we're not entirely sure that we have to, right? Because <laughs> there's a lot of games that I don't so use little. maps on. Yeah. You know, our Monday use- game, we when we're playing online, our Monday game, we're usually looking at a title screen. And we're using it to aggregate our roles. Yeah. And then and, and you use the chat log to keep track of the roles and to right. post you know, to post snippets of features through, the, through, the, through that extension. Yeah, that Beyond 20 extension from D&D Beyond to where it'll, it'll port it in and, and pop up the description of your spell or whatever in front of me. So all that stuff's on roll 20. That's that's fine. But we don't need most of the virtual tabletop. And now, because we have it, I sometimes use it. Yeah. You know, I, I got no reason not to port a map in for a cool battle or something and, you know, drop some tokens in to do the shit. But it's a game that's been very much theater of mine until we started playing at Joe and Alicia's house on the tabletop. And they had all those toys for me to play with. Right. God damn, if I wasn't going to. Oh, and I'm gonna miss that. Gonna miss it. But but that's another point. Another point. You know, I could tangent off on that all day. Um, <laughs> the uh, so now okay. Here's the utilities we got. I got all the u- utility that Roll Twenty gives me. And again, I could buy the War of the Burning Sky Adventures are actually published in Roll Twenty as well. So I could buy the whole campaign for like a hundred dollars. All thirteen adventures or whatever, twelve adventures. And uh, it has all the maps set up and the monsters and all that stuff. And the, the compendium with all the adventure material and stuff, just like I bought the books, the PDFs, which I already own all of. You know, and this is a fifth edition port. I've already got all the fifth edition conversions. So I helped actually develop some <laughs> of the, the, you know. So it's like, I'm, I'm super, you know, super stoked about it. But am I going to end up buying it again? Probably. I'm right. going to end up paying for those because it gives me some tools I have. Now, with that in mind, like on Tuesday night, for example, I'm running the desert. I have, have been putting, I have the PDF with the original adventure I'm using because it's an old first edition adventure I'm converting. I have all the conversion notes that I'm putting into Roll20 in their compendium stuff, which isn't ideal, but it works. You know, it's how they did it in the adventures I bought. So I realized that's how I was going to do it. You know, little handout options, whatever, you know, it's like GM information. It's like, oh, okay, here's my room keys and shit. And then the maps and all that stuff is over there. Because I run those adventures largely straight, I don't have a ton of additional information I have to keep track of. So the what little I do, I keep notes in the Roll20 options and little handouts and stuff for myself, right? But let's say, and I could do the same thing with War of the Burning Sky, but let's say I'm running a campaign like this where I know I'm going to be inspired by what the players do when their characters, the backstories, the elements that they come up with and bring into the game. 
I'm going to create a lot of extra depth to the world and add a lot of stuff that isn't in the adventure material. If I don't have some other utility to manage the campaign material, I am limiting my options, you know, because I, I, I am not the kind of person who's going to remember all the dumb shit, you know. Right. It's like... We've already, you know, been down that rabbit hole for time or three. I had no idea what that NPC's name was or what he acted like that was three weeks ago. Oh, oh, Gareth? <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> or don't get you started, I guess. The, uh, but, but the truth is that some kind of campaign management software, although, although it is a yet another fucking utility, is an extremely valuable commodity to me. And some campaigns I run homebrew stuff. I, I would rather have something that was, you know, a tool that's that's there for me to do all that. Like I have been with Campaign Logger, for example, in our Monday night game, where I don't have uh where I don't have to use you know the lim- work with within limitations of roll twenty or D beyond or something to make it work. So I it's it's all you know, experiment. It's all based on what your needs are. But um, we'll check out Scabbard, though. That'd be fun. And I, I like the fact that it's one that integrates with the players in a lot of ways. So it's it's something that we can discuss. Isn't just me talking about. Like like the one I use now, the campaign logger is is just with the game master. Yeah, as far as I know. I mean, like I said, he's got a newer, updated version of it. I haven't used because it's a pay model, and I'm still got the free account on the old one. But in any case. That's, yeah. that's that's about all I got on that. Scabbard, Scabbard can kind of create a wiki for the players where they can click through and see all the different descriptions right. and stuff. That Which way you can remember things. I used to use Obsidian nice. Portal once upon a time for that stuff. And, you know, I liked it then. I just like trying the new toys, I guess. Yeah. Totally understand that. I, I hate to get bogged down in it because of the money. You know, I, I obviously I'm in a unique position where I can approach to somebody and say, hey, I'm in the media, you know, do a little back and forth here. Won't cost me anything out of pocket, but I got to do the work, right? Yeah. Uh, a little different situation, but if I had to pay for everything to try it, you know, and 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 I know that a lot of a lot of uh, utilities in the VTTs and stuff out there, they have like free versions, so you could try them, but you lose a lot of the utility that they're capable of, right? You know, so and, and I know there's stuff out there that people like a ton better than Roll Twenty, and I use it still to this day just because I'm used to it. I've been using it for ten years, uh, eight years, I don't know. That's always part of any software. I mean, it's not just what's the best. I mean, if when you're invested, the the cost of moving from one system to another and the getting through that learning curve is an investment. There's you have a, to make sure it's worth it. A statistic for that in business. I'm trying to remember what it is. It's like, uh, but it's it's that it, it's how many people you'll get to uh, translate over whatever changes you're making in your company rather than go with something that's easier, some kind of conversion. Yeah, it's like, that's exactly what that is. If 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 I I'm gonna do whatever's the easiest and in a lot of cases most affordable, you know. I think it's just called like conversion cost or something I, like I that. I think it's the conversions. <laughs> well, I, you know, I I've been doing business school. What are you doing, Cam? Okay. What is it doing? <laughs> I could see Rich. <laughs> If it has, we can actually see your monitor for a second. You know, it's like yeah. it's like so it's turned so far to the right. You can see part of your screen. It's getting you know we're getting too deep now. <laughs> Screenception. Yep. So, uh, anybody got anything else? I I just wanted well, to catch up. I was going to throw out this is completely random and shameless self promotion, but I don't even think anyone on here might know. But Alicia now has an online website for buying some of our dice. Yes. Really? Oh, what's what's the Yay. website? LunarStudiosICT.com. You guys got a domain she and everything. She got .com. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that's what happens when you go ahead and put like a city code on it or something so you can get yep. a unique one. Because Adding the ICT on there allowed us to get the .com. It's like my Facebook page for the con is TsunamiCon Wichita. Because, you know, as weird as it is, oh, thanks for the link. I'll yep. put that in the show notes. 
that's close. exciting. Of course, if you yeah. sell anything before the convention, you'll lose stock you would sell at the convention. She her plan is to put right a handful of dice up each month, and if they sell out, they'll be sold. Okay. Well, she's oh, not going to put everything that's, on there. That's a good business model, actually, when you're limited supply. Yeah. So right exactly. now, I think she has ten sets. There, there's there's some sets. There's some single items, but there's like ten items online right now. now. Had you guys tried like an Etsy store or something before? Oh uh, no, we've never sold online. But she's doing this one through Shopify, Shopify. instead of Etsy. Yeah. S- same sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Different different service. Yeah. You know, uh, Shopify's got a lot of cool features. I yeah. I don't like the fact that they try to charge you for every little thing they can, but you know, Etsy but, just puts a straight charge on everything you sell. Right, but Etsy you sell through Etsy's website too. It's like right. selling through eBay or some shit. I mean, it's it's yeah. already a place where people go to look for stuff. Yeah, and so the marketplace is a huge advantage. Shopify is a little less of that going for them, but they have a lot of great tools. Right. Um, I, but that's what I was going to say. That's one of the one of the problems, one of the struggles with with selling out of your own dot com. Yeah, um, I've noticed. I yeah, we sell obviously we sell our tea on our own website. We always have. So if you if you yeah. want to get something that doesn't have as limited of a stock, asamtees dot shop. Right, yeah, and, and you know, and we look around and go, no you know, dice, it's, it's too you know. bad. It is too bad this isn't, you know, if we were just doing purely like, you know, handcrafted blends or growing shit ourselves, where we could get away with doing it on Etsy or something. And and we thought about doing like a side project, like on a platform like that and seeing how it goes, you know, to see if we sold stuff that wouldn't, and stuff that wouldn't necessarily normally fit as part of a regular store, especially. Right. But I, I don't know. It's it's like uh, we were talking to uh, one of our vendors um, uh, for the con, one of our returning vendors every year, who also happened to be at Anime Fest this year, and uh, she had struggled with this recently because she used to be an Etsy customer, and something went wrong between her and the company, or you know, because because they got a lot of weird rules, I guess. Right. And um, she got like shut down and couldn't seem to get it fixed. So she got her own .dot com going and only does a fraction of the sales that she used to. And it's like, well, that really does put kind of a pin on right there i mean she does pretty good at the conventions because she's got her product right there and of course we all do (laughs) that's kind of the uh, point right is is no dice still a phrase because that'd be kind of cool if you're like instead of sold out it says no dice no dice (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely man that's kind of a data i don't know if young people say that anymore right i get it uh well hopefully we get to the point that we need to make that decision so if we did that means all these are sold outdoor (laughs) fairs and stuff coming up i'm curious to see how that goes for us because we're in like rural colorado and there's a lot of like community stuff out this area so we're gonna be doing some outdoor stuff in the in the summer i I bought a vendor tent got that coming in this week good luck see how that goes yeah Yeah. i'm I'm not honestly that excited about it but it's it's nice to try different different things and see how they work for you hopefully you have better weather than we do oh yeah well by its very nature we do we we live in a place where it's just not as stupid hot as it is right now in Kansas. <laughs> I don't last understand week was what's happening. Miserable. Yeah, I'm, I'm not unhappy about it. I'm not unhappy about leaving it behind. I mean, the the, the hottest it's been here in the last couple of months is like mid to high 80s. And now, to be fair, we're a, a mile closer <laughs> to the sun, so it feels worse. But we're also in the desert, so it's like you know you go into the shade and it like instantly drops twenty degrees because there's no moisture in the air to hold the heat. So yeah, we like were I, having upper nineties with humidity last week. Yeah, the humidity is killer. When we went down for AFW, it was over hundred degrees. We went two yeah. weeks ago. We went like, to the zoo this morning and we 
timed it so. so we were leaving before noon because I, I'm like, I'm done. When it, when it gets up to 30 Celsius, I am done and I'm out of there. <laughs> Insanity. Well, I'll let everybody go. Get on with your um, respective weekends, such as they are. Thank you so much for hanging out with me a little bit. I missed everybody. And of course, I, I kind of have a voice. So I wanted to talk for an hour and see if it held up. It's kind of holding up. I'm starting to lose the edges of it, I think. You get that deep, gravelly voice. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, if you have anything you would like to add to the conversation, such as it is, I realize this was a lot of rambling, but, you know, that's why you come back every week, I guess. Thank you so much. Um, feel free to drop us a line. Feedback at prismaticsunami.com. That's feedback at prismaticsunami.com, where, of course, you can join us on our Discord server. I've been trying to post more lately. It had gotten quiet for a while. And so every time somebody says anything, I like somebody will make like one little comment. I'll be like, here's a novel. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> nobody else is talking to me, so I'm 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 so lonely. No, not really. What you get for moving so far away from all of us? You know what? Yeah. It's a, I still see you people every week. I don't know what you're right. talking about. Okay, fine. I tried. I, I could turn my cam <laughs> off, cam off, and fix that. <laughs> That's fair. No, you gotta leave it on. That way, when Vanessa's thing pans, I can see two of you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you need two of me in your life. Because <laughs> one's not enough. Aww. Aww. I actually feel On appreciated. That note, thank you very much for listening to episode number 278 of Metagamers Anonymous. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Joe. And I'm Vanessa. Good night, everybody. <laughs>